This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments, so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times, 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. This week we reflect on securing another European tour at the weekend, an emotional send-off for the skipper, another shocking decision from a referee, Brighton on Sunday, our trip to Vegas and a final look at the Predictions League before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. Going on a European tour, a European tour, a European tour. X, a fascinating game at the London Stadium yesterday and one that has guaranteed us another European competition to look forward to. We don't yet know what competition, but at the very least, it'll be the Conference League. I mean, before we talk about the game, let's talk about the achievement. Like me, I'm sure you're beaming with pride. 
Yeah, it's brilliant, mate. I mean, we've had such a great time in Europe this season. And, you know, just to be able to repeat that experience next season is is amazing. And, you know, it doesn't make a huge amount of difference. Obviously, you'd rather the Europa League because it's a slightly more prestigious one. But even if you get into the Conference League, it's just as, as you know, worth winning that as it is the Europa League. And I'm really excited. I can't believe any fans would knock that competition because, you know, you see Jose Mourinho gets... Um, Roma to the final, he's crying about it. You know, this is a guy that's won everything in football, pretty much, and uh, and he still realizes the value of it. And what we have to understand is, for West Ham, in the status, the stature that we are within the game, bearing in mind we haven't really played in Europe many times in our lives, to be in Europe two seasons in a row just massively highlights the progress of the club, not just to domestic people but to foreign people as well, and and it gets the name out there. And if we do well in it, which I believe we can it's another big thing for the club in moving forward and i'm really really happy and i i can't wait to see which one we're in and whatever one we're in i look forward to the first rounds in in some interesting places like we experienced this year well this is what we've said before i mean these competitions take you to places that you would never normally go to and i think that's all part of the adventure isn't it yeah so, definitely. like you say I, I can't understand the logic of anyone that wouldn't want to be in this competition but i, I think no. the vast majority do and yeah. uh, we're very excited about it and it means that we are now just a point behind man united who go to palace on two the final points. day is it two points yeah but they go to palace on the final day um they have to win really didn't they or yeah. else we nick that europa league spot if we can beat brian i mean how do you think it's going to pan out well, I actually think the toughest part is us beating Brighton. I, I think, agree. I think Crystal Palace will beat Manchester United. And there's two factors. Crystal Palace have been on a bit of form recently. Um, and and Vieira is obviously in his first season uh, as a Premier League manager. So for him, he's going to want to finish as high up the table as he can. Because it's, you know, wherever, wherever he finishes in the table anyway, he's had a good season as manager. I mean, realistically, if we beat Brighton and Palace win, Palace could go above Brighton, and Palace are like big rivals with Brighton, aren't they? That's their yeah. biggest rival. And so there's a lot to play for for Palace in this game. Um, so they'll be wanting us to beat Brighton as much as we want um, them to beat Manchester United. And I think with Vieira, obviously he's got that old historical rivalry with Manchester United, having been, you know, Arsenal and, you know, the famous him and Roy Keane episodes. And then what people forget is that Vieira also played and worked for Manchester City for a number of years. So mm. I'd imagine that Manchester United are probably the team that he dislikes most in world football. So I bet he'll be trying to get the players up for it. And as I say, if Palace win, they could go above Brighton, they could go above Brentford, and they could finish ninth in the table. Uh, if they don't win, both um, Villa and Newcastle, Palace and Brentford could go, um, go above them. So realistically, they could um, they could like have a massive swing on um on the league positions, and so they'll be they'll be up for that. And I think if they can beat Manchester United, we've we've just got to make sure that we can beat um, we can beat Brighton, and that's a tough game. And I think that is where the, the toughest part lies at the moment. I think it's going to be a draw, which will be a, a bit. We'd finish a point too short then, but I really, really hope the lads can just give it one final push and get us over the line because to finish sixth um, again and get into the Europa League again. It would be awesome. It'd be another amazing achievement. Yeah, it's it's been an incredible season for so many different reasons. I mean, 
it's amazing that on the last day of the season, there's still so much to play for for everyone, really. Yeah. Unless you're Norwich or Watford, yeah. it's an important final day of the season. You know, not not many teams are on the beach, and uh, yeah, it is. It's going to be. Um, it's going to be interesting, but nervy as well, because like you say, I totally agree. I think the biggest challenge is beating Brighton. I think Graham Potter's done a fantastic job there, yeah, and they yeah. are difficult to beat. And the, the one problem that Brighton had for a long period of time was scoring goals, but he seemed to have put that right now. Um, they'll be at home, and uh, I think it's potentially their highest ever Premier League finish if, if, um, if it goes well for them. So... It's, it's going to be really difficult. But when Man United's concerned, look, it's not a given because they've still got very talented players that can hurt anyone. But yes, they're a massive club, but fucking hell, no stability at that football club whatsoever. It's full of prima donnas, no heart, no leadership. It makes you laugh when you hear their fans talk about, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get Declan Rice for 80 million. Mate, even if you got him for a 10, he ain't going to want to come to Man United. Who's no. going to want to go? You're not even going to be in the Champions League. Well, I think it was in the state, you know. I, I agree. I mean, the fact of their last home game where they were like parading all these players that were leaving, you know, I think it was about four or five of them that were going to be leaving at the end of the season. They were giving them like one final little appearance and stuff. And I thought to myself, you've still got two games to play for, and you're still, I know we've yeah. done it with no ball, but that's slightly different after the amount of years that he's been at the club. We didn't do anything for Yarmolenko and possibly Fredericks and a few of the other ones that might be leaving. Um, and and I thought the fact they did that, you know, they were clapping off Mata, Matic, like, I think Lingard obviously made a fuss that he didn't get a chance to come on. And there was about, I can't remember, I think there might have been two others that were, Cavani possibly, that were in that, that sort of frame of mind. So the fact they're packing up like that already shows that they're, their heart's not in there. And then they got battered by Brighton. So I think they're, I think they the new manager that's coming in, Van Hag or Ten Hag, whatever his name is, is um, got a massive job to, to do oh, there. And if they don't make the Europa League and we replace them in the Europa League, you know, finishing seventh for Manchester United is, is ridiculous, really. Mm-hmm. And um, the, and the players are just as much to blame as anyone else. So I just hope, like you said, that they they are they're at the beach. They're not bothered. Palace do them over, and we're just going to make sure that we. Um, we uh, beat Brighton because every team, every team likes to beat Manchester United. It doesn't matter mm. what state they're currently in at the time. It's always because of the dominance of the nineties and the and the two thousands. It's always it's always good. Oh, to badge beat of honour, isn't it? It yeah. is, yeah, it is. Let's face it, and they are they are historically and in terms of achievement and fans bases around the world they are the biggest club in the world mm. so beating them no matter what state they're in is an achievement so i really really hope crystal palace go on and, and do that and then we've just got to do the business at brighton and likewise we can't be sentimental mark noble obviously his last game but i hate to say it but you don't start mark noble in that game you're gonna go out to win that game and i'm not saying that mark would hinder you winning it but at the moment i think it's accepted he he isn't in the first 11 starting and when we go for our strongest team, so he needs to be on the bench and we need to go and try and win that game. Mm, mm, oh, I agree. Well, let's talk about the game against City because it was a day that belonged to Mark Noble and we will yeah. come to him. But what did you think of the performance in a game that the stats suggest was very one-sided? What do the stats suggest? I've actually seen the stats. <laughs> well, you ain't going to believe this. City had 78% possession. Really? Wow. 31 shots. Jeez. And nine corners. 
my goodness. Okay, I didn't have any idea because obviously I was at the game and I, yeah. I haven't seen stats since. But um, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, I actually thought, I know first half, both our goals are kind of on the counter. So I can kind of understand where the possession stat might come from. But I thought we played brilliantly in the first half. I thought first half was great. We did exactly what you need to do with Man City. Let them pass the ball around like, and almost go nowhere a lot of the time and then hit them on the counter as we did. And Gerard Bowen just showed the class that he has got with those finishes and that directness and we're very lucky to have him I think he's a very exciting player um, you know outside of the top top six or the top four or whatever even the top two if there's a player more exciting to watch going forward than Gerard Bowen then I'm not sure who they are um, and so I loved I loved that first half I knew I knew what would happen in the second half it was almost like you could just feel that they would score early on and it was just a question of whether we could hold on or not um, for, unfortunately Shafal obviously did the, did that header which um, which wasn't great but I also felt we were just batting against the ref constantly and it, I don't know if it's the major decisions because I haven't watched them back apparently they should have had a penalty in the first half with Zuma on or one of their players I haven't seen that so I can't comment on it but at the game it just felt that every time Antonio had the ball one of their centre backs or full backs or whatever would just would kick him or push him or nudge him and the ref just didn't give any of it and I, I can't stand that ref I know, I know people sort of talk about Mike Dean and there's other refs, but for me, and Steve Taylor's the ref I can't stand the most. I remember early on in his career, I think it was against Everton, um, he sent Colton Cole off for a high boot when the ball was like literally about a foot off the ground. And ever since that point, I've always thought he's an absolutely shocking ref because I think about 10 minutes later, he didn't send one of Everton's players off for the exact same thing. And I, ever since then, I thought he's terrible. And I think he just showed that in that game. And I know we go on about refs a lot, so I don't intend to like harp on about it, but I think he was a problem. But I thought it was it was a good result, you know, getting a two-two draw uh, against Man City. Considering we often come unstuck against them, I thought, I thought it, the boys did well. Yeah, I mean, talking about the referees, I mean, again, we find ourselves putting them in the spotlight, and it should never be that way. You know, referees are there to officiate, yes, but let the game play and make the right decisions and. I wasn't there, so I did watch it on the telly. And I mean, City should have had a penalty. Thank God they didn't in the first half. But it was a penalty. And what blew my mind, right, is Anthony Tosser missed it. But then VAR looked at it. They reviewed it. it. So you've got the fucking idiots in Stockley Park making mistakes, as per usual again. And that's just incredible for me. Um, And then, then, you know, it, it didn't even give the penalty to Man City in the second half that ultimately he got told to give or, or look at the monitor. So, it, it, I mean, it's just, it, it's just incredible. And do you know what, X? I think, honestly, I think it's got to a point where there needs to be a full-on investigation into referees in, in this country. Yeah, because yeah. they're so consistently poor mm. that they've either got to be corrupt or just incredibly incompetent. Yeah. Either way... Either way, don't you think something needs to be done about officiating in this country? Because they make too many mistakes, whether that's on the pitch or at Stockley Park. They're never held accountable. Players and managers can't voice their legitimate grievances because they'll be punished. Then you've got referees like Mike Dean, who you said, who has a first for attention and wants to be a celebrity more than a fucking referee. At times, I think he deliberately makes the wrong decision to be controversial, to put himself in, you know, in the limelight. I genuinely believe that. He's such a weirdo, yeah. that geezer. And yeah. then there's a ref we had who six months prior was done for taking bribes. Yeah. I mean, everything around officiating in this country is absolutely piss poor, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, that was a Swiss ref, that one, but yeah, like, it's still yeah, but it, uh, yeah, okay. So, in the game in general, yeah, there, there is a problem, but it still impacted West Ham and, and yeah. West Ham at risk because he officiated one of our games 100%. And I think you're right, I think you're spot on. I think it is so true that, um, we need to have a look at it now. I don't know if it's the case anymore as it was you know certainly in the 90s and stuff whether referees have two jobs like if you remember like back to the 90s David Ellery was famously known as like a schoolmaster at Harrow Private School wasn't it and I think yes. like you know they all seem to have different jobs and stuff alongside being refs I don't know if that's the case anymore I haven't looked into it to be fair but if it is, that needs to stop immediately because they, these need to become, they need to be their full-time jobs. So they've got no other distractions other than getting this right. When the, when the game is such a multi-billion industry, you can't have refs that are arguably the most important person in, in 90 minutes of football. You can't have them earning a wage where they have to go and get another job to make it worth doing because they're not going to be as committed to their, you know, their development, as committed to their, you know, reflection on mistakes and things like that. So firstly, if that goes on, then that needs to stop. If it doesn't, they need something needs to be done in terms of I don't I don't again I don't know if this happens or not. But they need to look at all their games and be made to almost answer to uh, an officiator. Like you know when you I don't know if you I can't think of an example, but yeah, like if you're if you work in a in a business or in a in a job, you have a performance management and you have appraisals, and if you yes. need a pro if you need a project, you'll get your manager telling you you know the successes and things you could have probably done differently. It's all part of learning. I think every game that a ref does, they should be sat down in front of a panel or a coach or a mentor or whatever, and be able to talk through what it is that they think they've done well, what they haven't done well. Constant reflection on it. As you say, the people at Stockley Park need to get their arse into gear. I think there needs to be more ex-players involved. I mean, like, a lot. you look at these refs, and obviously I'm judging them on appearance, which is a little bit harsh, but if you look at them, you can't imagine many of them have played football at any form of no. decent standard and stuff, so they don't understand certain things that, are, that an ex-pro would understand about it, and I think there needs to be more ex-pros involved. Um, and I just think, yeah, I agree with what you said. It, it can't be that there's constantly this many mistakes i don't know because i don't spend as much time watching these other sports i know they're slightly different because they're a bit more stop start but you don't see cricket tennis rugby all these other sort of rival sports having as many officiating problems as football does as i say i know it's a different game and there's probably more fouls you can give in football and stuff but but it's still, it's still, a, it's still a point worth discussing, and I agree totally with you. It's so frustrating that even now, in the twenty twenties, we're still talking about when we've got a bloody computer alongside us, still talking about getting things wrong. Yeah, I know, and it's supposed to give them a helping hand, and it, it's just, it just blows my mind how many decisions they're getting wrong with the benefit of hindsight. It, it's just, it's just amazing. And I, do you know what? Like this is off the top of my head. I haven't really even given this some fault. But it, it makes sense to me to get like a neutral governing body where they are accountable to, to a point where I think it'd be a good idea to have league tables for referees and they get, they get scored points based on their performance. And then say, I don't know, the top five get a pay rise at the end of the year and the bottom five get relegated to the championship and they just, yeah. they, they officiate championship games and the top five from the championship then officiate Premier League. Something yeah. like that. Because where's the incentive for them? Where's the motivation? Where's the accountability? There isn't any. 
And this exactly. is it's in, impacting the game week after week. You yeah, hundred percent. I've just googled just to sort of before people tried to correct me on on when this it's this that refs are Premier League refs are full time now apparently, but only um, they and Championship refs are are full time. But looking at their their wages, they, they, it seems to be um, that the wages are kind of decent. But it says here refs wage is somewhere in the region of forty two thousand per year. Um, it says Mike Dean, for instance. 29 top flight games in 2018-19 which would equate to him to be getting paid about 33,000 so they get a basic wage and they get a fee per game so it takes him up to about 70,000 a year which yes is a good wage by most people's standards don't, don't get me wrong it's a you know most people would love to earn 70,000 a year but when you compare that to the footballers that they're refing who probably earn more than that a week most of them certainly if they play for the top clubs then it doesn't make it it doesn't relate, um, equate properly. And I'm not saying that you aren't just to throw a load of money at referees, but you might be able to get a higher calibre of candidate to be a ref if you pay more. You know, you might be able to get an ex-pro, you might be able to get someone that's got loads of coaching badges or et cetera, et cetera. But when you pay a wage that's, you know, in line with a good wage in a normal job, why would you do, be a ref? You know, I'd much rather earn £70,000, I don't know, doing an office job or something than going out in front of 65,000 fans that are going to scream shit at you all game. You know, so I think that's something to be looked at. It's got to just become a lot more high profile, a lot more professional. I think you're right, a league table would make them more accountable. I think they need to explain their decisions to people. Um, and yeah, I, I just think there's got to be some kind of review at it. They keep reviewing the rules of football and making things harder in a way for refs by, you know, changing the margins of offsides and, and things like that. Yet they don't look at doing anything to change the refereeing standards other than bringing in VAR, which, if anything, has made the situation worse. Yeah, I know. I know. It's incredible. But, you know, on a positive note, going back to the game itself, taking that little prick out the equation, I thought it was a valiant <laughs> effort. I really yeah. do. Uh, you know, let's not forget we've played one of the best teams in the world there. And it's not as if they already had the league one. They they desperately needed to get something from that game because that yeah. could have really put them in trouble if they'd have lost that. So I just think, look, you, you play against Man City, you're always going to be on the back foot. That's just, it's just the way it is. Excellent possessional players, the possession stats suggest. Quality on the ball, good movement. But we just defended as a group. Um and then just took the two chances on the break. And I think that's how you often get results against the bigger sides. I thought we were brilliant in that respect yeah. against a really, really tough team. I thought Antonio, you know, again, I've seen him get a little bit of stick. And yes, at times you do wince with some of the things that he does, but he absolutely ran his bollocks off and carried us single-handedly going forward at times. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think he, he deserves some some credit. Uh, but yeah, I, I, what can you say about Jared Bowen? I mean, he, if he doesn't get into the England squad, uh, do you know what actually wouldn't surprise me? Well, it wouldn't no, surprise it me because it's, it's West Ham again, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, Declan Rice is an exception. But listen, let's be honest. If Jared Bowen had the season that he'd had, no different whatsoever, but played for Liverpool, he'd be in there. Oh, million percent, mate. Just going back to Antonio, obviously, I haven't seen the replays yet. Um, what was that chance, that, you know, where he was clean, where the bad back pass and the keeper came out and he, he dicked it? How good or bad was that miss? Because I haven't seen a replay. Mate, I couldn't get my head around it. The only way I can describe it to you is that is why he's not a natural striker. 
Right, yeah, now listen. That, I was massively disappointed with that, the ground, but I don't know if I was being harsh or not. No, not at all. I, I, I can't even explain how he shaped up the way he shaped up to, to attempt to score from where he was. It, it was, it was really strange. And it, it looks like someone who wasn't a striker taking the chance. Look, yeah. I mean, I played the game at a decent level as a kid. I never made it in the game. So I feel like a bit of a knob telling the Premier League footballer out to finish. But you know, even instinctively, it, what he should have done is just, he should have given himself an angle onto his right foot and then just cold it high over the keeper into the empty net. Yeah, it almost felt like... That would have been a like natural a, thing to do. But. That's what I thought at the game, but it felt like he almost... And again, I haven't seen a replay, but it felt like he almost tried to sort of inside of the foot. He's just got to chip it. He's just dug his, um, his foot into the ground and got to chip it, but he weren't even at the right angle and his body weren't placed in the right shape to pull it off. It, it, was, yeah. it was strange. It, it was as if I would have expected that finish from Shufal, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, but See, that, that that's was what enough. you get with Mickey, though, isn't it? You know, but this is it. The, the, then he can right. go and score four at Norwich. It's yeah. just, just the way Mickey is. Well, there was that other one in the first half as well where he broke through and it was on his left foot and then he cut back in. Let's try and get it on his right when it, at one point from my memory. Because I, I looked down the line at this chance in the first half, he could have hit it with his left. He had a clear shot on target, but he decided to cut back on his right and then he got tackled. So you know, I found Antonio frustrated because I thought he run their centre-backs ragged at times. He did. I thought he, he did. worked really hard. I thought he, he created chances. It was a real handful, as he does on many occasions but then at the crucial time with finishing he let he he didn't finish as he should have um on to bowen i agree i think if he was playing for any other club he would be in the england squad by now i mean the last england squad was just when he got injured so there may have been a chance that he was going to be in it then but if he's not in for the next one um then I think it's a disgrace because, like you say, if he was playing for Liverpool or Man City or whatever, he'd be in it a million percent. Um, you know, you look back throughout our history of recent years, players that should have got in the English squad. I mean, you know, it, it was his day yesterday, and I think it was Ben Shepherd that said it on the pitch. But how Mark never got to play for England at any point mm. when he was at his peak? You know, we're talking maybe last season at the Bowling yeah. or uh, earlier on in his career when we were, you know, with Tevez and that when he was first breaking in you know he'd just come out the under 21s and stuff you know don't forget he was captain of the under 21s for years so it's not like he hadn't been on the England's radar to never be capped as a travesty really and uh, it's sad that, and I'm actually going to this game purely to see it um, that he's uh, going to get wear an England shirt for the first time uh, at men's level in that charity UNICEF um, yeah. football match and, I'm, and I've actually bought myself and my family tickets to that just because I want to go and see Mark Noble play for England at Wembley because it should have happened in his career yeah yeah well said mate well said you're spot on you're spot on do you know we've scored in every single home game this season yeah it's amazing isn't it? it's, it's amazing that isn't it yeah great start and i think that shows that it's been a really exciting season yeah it does i thought fab done well yesterday as well i mean like he dropped a bit of a clanger on a cross and it was sort of flashbacks of what he'd done against norwich which was a little bit scary but other than that I what about he'd... Chappelle's goal, though? Again, I, I, I wish I'd watched the replays of this um, before coming on the podcast, but sadly I haven't had the time. But could Ch- I know Chappelle, was he diving headed into the net, but he was on his own. Could Fabianski have spoke to him more, told him he didn't need to do that? Was there something wrong with the communication on that goal? At all? Oh, I can't see it. I mean, I know you haven't seen the replay. I think yeah. if you'd have seen the replay, you, you, you might not have said that or, or yeah. kind of assume that that might have been the case. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good delivery. It's dangerous. It's quick. 
I don't think you'd have had the time to, to, to give any instruction to anyone. And yeah. as for could he have done better with it, uh, fucking hell, not unless his arms grew another 10 feet, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I can't put any blame for, for Fab on that. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, the other goal deflected off of Dawson. So I think it's... Yeah, uh, again, I didn't say, I wanted to see that because it looked like Greenish just volleyed it into the ground. From where I was, it was really weird, but was it a massive yeah. deflection then? Yeah, so Dawson is basically bent down and the ball was landed. I think it bounced off of his shin. So it's hit Dawson's shin and then ricocheted off the ground okay. over Fab. So again, I, I, I can't see there's anything more he could have done. And obviously yeah, he saved the penalty sense. as well. Not a great yeah. penalty, but he saved the penalty. And... No, I thought it was a good save though. I thought he still yeah. did well to get it away from the goal. And, and, yeah, no, I, yeah I, think he, I think he did well. I mean, I think for me, Bowen stood out as the best player by quite a long way. I think Antonio, if you take out poor finishing, but which is obviously yeah. a weird thing to say for a forward, was, uh, was right up there. And um, yeah, I thought Dawson had a good game. I know he gave away a penalty and that deflected goal. But again, again, it's crucial moments. So it's hard to say that they were, he was brilliant, but I thought other than those crucial moments, he played well as well. Yeah, true. I mean, on the case of Antonio, I love Mickey, and I'm a big defender of Mickey as well. Because listen, for as long as I can remember, and you'll back me up on this, as West Ham fans, first and foremost, you just got to give 110% for that badge on your chest. If yeah. you do that, then the fans will love you, and that's why the fans do love Mickey, and he is also our all-time Premier League goal scorer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he can score goals and he does score goals, but yes, he is incredibly frustrating at the same time. If he was a lot more clinical, you know, putting that with his other attributes, he probably wouldn't be at West Ham. So it is swings yeah. and roundabouts, but I do think, I do think now going into the summer where, you know, in the early part of the season, we were kind of speculating as to who could come in as a backup for Antonio. I think the fact that he's not getting any younger as well, Antonio should be, potentially be the backup to a marquee striker signing in my opinion yeah I agree with you I agree because the thing is like you say he's 32 and stuff and you know he's played almost every game this season which credit to Antonio you know none of us ever thought he would do that when we went into mm. the season with one striker pretty much even was like well how long till Antonio's hamstrings go and uh, in fairness to him they haven't you know, he's played pretty much every game. So in that respect, he, you know, he deserves, deserves credit. But I think, um, I think you're right. I think he's not been prolific enough as a, as a Premier League forward. I mean, he will be 33 next season. And yes, he is our all time Premier League goal scorer. Um, and he, and he has obviously scored lots of goals for us. You know, this year he scored, I'm just quickly looking at Wikipedia. According to Wikipedia, he's played 34 games in the Premier League and scored nine goals. You know, and 45 games in total across the cup competitions, 12 goals. So that's, that's you know, that's one, um, just under one in four, pretty much. Um, and, you know, it's not it's not awful, but for a team that's finishing sixth in the league, if you had a goal scorer that was getting you 20 goals a season, for example, or late, you know, 18, 19, then I think your season looks a lot different. So I agree with you. And I also think Antonio would be his most effective when he comes on and yeah. he's completely fresh. You know, he's not he's not started yet, he's fresh and he can run at those tiring centre-backs. I think he'll be even more effective. So I agree with you. And also, you're going to be able to get a better player in if you're saying to them, look, you're coming in as the marquee forward rather than you're coming in as backup to Antonio. So I agree with you. Yeah, and in the right scenario, should we have another striker available, it does also open up the option of playing two up front. 
if yeah. the, if the scenario presents itself. Exactly, and I think that's where we've had a problem this season. The uh, times, and you know, don't get me wrong. Of course, it's been a great season. I'm not getting away from that. But at times, we've lacked a plan B. You know, you know that when things aren't going well for us attacking wise, the only options we really have are bringing on either Yarmolenko um, as a forward or putting Bowen up top. Um, or we have um, the options in midfield of bringing on either Ben Rama, Lanzini, or Fornells, or Flasic, whichever one hasn't started. Um, and, you know, Flasic seems to, in fact, he hasn't figured for ages now, it seems. Um, seems to have like, not been particularly rated by boys. So um, we've lacked a plan B. So you're right. If we have another forward, be able to bring him on, Antonio, to go alongside that forward, give us an option that we haven't had this year. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about Mr. West Ham. A big day for him and his family yesterday. You were there. What did you think of his send-off? Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I was a little bit conscious that the the occasion could almost overshadow the importance of the game. Yeah. I don't mean that to sound disrespectful to Mark Noble, but he is the first to say it, and he said it to David Moyes. Don't pick me for this game for mental reasons. You need to pick your best team. So Mark Noble knows that. So I was a little bit worried that with the stuff before the game and that, would it overshadow what was a very important game for us? And actually, I don't think it did. I think no. it actually helped. They said that on commentary as well, X. I did, they? Yeah, when he came out and he was getting really emotional and, you know, they they actually, the the, the commentator said it's probably isn't the best way to start a game. Actually, no, exactly. This is exactly I do what understand I what you're saying. Yeah, it's exactly what I thought. And I thought, gosh, I don't know if I would have done all this beforehand. Stuff after the game, then fair enough, because the match is finished. But all the stuff before, and at half-time, I was a little bit like, I don't know if this is right. And then when he brought Noble on, it was 70, on the 75th minute or whatever it was, roughly, again, I didn't agree with that substitution. I actually thought Suchek should have came off. Like, I don't think Suchek was, I mean, again, people love him, I hate him. I don't think Suchek was playing that well, particularly. I would have taken uh, Here we go again. <laughs> I knew Fuck that was me. coming. You have such an agenda against me, West Ham fan. I, re- I really don't, Thomas, honestly. But I'm just you very do. honest. I, I don't. I actually you do. Like- <laughs> I like you a lot as a person, as a man. Yes. But I just think you, you hadn't been that effective in that game. You made a couple of good tackles. I'll give you that. But I just thought we needed someone to be a bit more direct. So you, t- you think you could do better, do you? <laughs> no, I'm not saying no, that. No, you couldn't. Could you? Shit head first, <laughs> Fucking mag. This is so, so surreal that I'm actually arguing with a fake Thomas Suchek. It's bad enough when I argue with Martin Allen. Let alone a fake Thomas Suchek. Do you know what? One I remember, actually. I better give you a bit of a heads up notice. I haven't actually included it into the questions this week, but someone posted it. I can't remember. It was either last week or in Telegram or something, which incidentally people really should get on. The amount of times people I see message me, on Patreon saying, do you know if there's any spares for the for this game or not? And I think we've got a whole thread for ticket spares on Earth Patreon. Yeah. If you're on Telegram, if you go on there, you'll find them. But anyway, um, someone put, and I thought it'd be really funny, actually, because you've got, you're obviously famous for your Sue Check impression now, and you're also famous for your Harry Kane impression, whether you could actually <laughs> do a conversation between Thomas Sue Check and Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> 
so so you could like have them arguing over a late tackle, maybe like Suchek fouls Harry Kane or something like that. Or, I don't, <laughs> when I don't Harry know, met Thomas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if you need a bit more time to prepare. Or maybe. Just... Well, yeah, fuck it. I reckon so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You got that Suchek one quite quickly there. You didn't know it was coming. Oh, well, mate. So... What about the event? I mean, we'll come I to the event. I got stitched up big time by a patron there because. You know, and we will come to the event as well because I thought it was a really special one. Yeah. But I'm sitting there, you know, keeping an eye on the tunes and, and all that kind of stuff as I do in the box. And then Waldy comes from nowhere and then tells me to stop with music. He said, Right, Ray, come on, you're going to do your suit check now. I said, Ray? Does <laughs> he even know I do it? He said, Come on, you're going to come up and do your top of suit check. I had about seven seconds, right, between him saying that to me cutting the fucking music to him then introducing me as Top of Suchek in front of like 150 fucking West Ham fans. And I met a fellow that stitched me up as well. We was having a laugh about it. And you, you can't not do it then, can you? You've been called no. on to 150 people. So, yeah, he, he made his public appearance. Uh, but fair, fair play to you, mate. It was absolutely hilarious. You did put it off very, very well. So, fair play to you. But what I found funny as well, that I got it into my head, that imagine there's people there that probably don't listen to them. No, that's what I said to Bobby. It's the first thing I said when I walked on stage. I said, fuck me. I said, there's anyone out here that, that don't even know who I am. They're going to think, what the fuck is going exactly. on here? And then, once I got that into my head, I was pissing myself. <laughs> yeah. and, I thought, and I thought these randoms coming in, just, you know, having their beer, looking forward to Anton and Tony Carr. Yeah, yeah. And randomly you, randomly, you walk around and go, hello, what's <laughs> And I was absolutely pissing myself at one point and thought of that. Especially if they don't know what Thomas Suchek speaks like. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, so I'll give you a bit. Because we had quite a few people there for the first time as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you imagine, because I don't think at at that point the Q&A hadn't happened, had it? No, I don't think so, So, So imagine if someone turned up for the first time, just through word of mouth, they didn't listen to podcasts, didn't know who he was, they just heard someone talking about it next door in O'Neill's, the the actual public bar part, and they've come in to see a Q&A of an ex-player, and at that point, they say, they see fucking Wally say, (laughs) right, introducing your special guest, Thomas Suchek. They're like, that's not Thomas Suchek, I paid 25 quid to get, I've been fucking mugged off here. not Thomas Suchek. (laughs) Honestly, there was a couple of people, because I literally was standing by the door at that point, there was a couple of people that kind of gasped, that they for a split, for a <laughs> yeah. split second they actually fought Thomas <laughs> <laughs> the exactly. away. Oh, God. But, um, so yeah anyway to go to go back to what we were originally talking about <laughs> I thought when they brought Noble on I was a little bit like I wouldn't do that I don't think he's the right substitute for, at this point and so um, Anyway, it turned out to be okay because we got the result that we needed. And Noble played all right and stuff, but the actual the actual occasion for for Noble was really really special. In fairness, I thought the club did it really well. You know, it was good to get Trevor, um, who's another one club legend, to present an award to him, and then. Yeah. Ben Shepard, credit to him. I tried to get him on the podcast. He doesn't seem to want to, but mm. credit to him. He handles those occasions uh, very, very well. Uh, and it's good that he's a West Ham fan rather than just some random presenter on Sky, for example. Um, and, and it, yeah, it was good. It was really emotional. I mean, towards the end, I, um, I, I could actually feel that I was welling up and I had to use my usual mm. tactic of thinking of something else to make sure that I didn't. But it felt, you could hear a pin drop in there. It was, it was yeah. really special and it's deserved, mate. I mean, the, you know, people wrongly and I, and I still look at some of these West Ham fans with, like the disappointment they've given him stick over the years and stuff you know then of course you could question performances and whether he should be starting every 
game and all that, because that's what you do when you're a football fan. But some of the stuff he's got over the years, and I know it's affected him. I know firsthand it has. Um, it, it is wrong. And those people need to hang their heads in shame because this guy gave so much to the club. And he and I think people are only now really starting to realise the impact he has off the pitch. You know, we'll talk about the events in a minute. But prior to that, the amount of times people speak about how he welcomed them to the club on our podcast, whether it's youngsters, foreign players, experienced players, you know, it doesn't matter who they are. You know, Teddy Sheringham always credits Mark for welcoming him. You know, he played for, he'd been there, done it in his career. And then you look at the youngsters, they always say it. And I think, you know, it was perfectly summed up by Anton that said, Mark always speaks to every single person and makes them feel welcome. And then you look on Instagram and you look on Twitter, the amount of players, ex-players, current players, you know, anyone that's done a, a, a tribute to Mark Noble and said, you know, congratulations on a great career, blah, 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 blah. You know, even I saw Michael Essien did one. I was like, that's a bit random. They've never ever played together. But just the respect that, like, players have for Mark Noble, I don't think we'll ever see that happen again in you know, not in the way football is at this current stage with like, you know, like players coming in and going, managers coming in and going, you know, the fact that you can buy from all over the world now, I think I think it's probably going to be unlikely we'll ever see a player like Mark Noble again. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, you tweeted as well about the Man City fans. Credit to yeah. them because they were pretty good with him and the youth youth team as well. When yeah, they yeah, they were. They collapsed them in fairness to both to their fans. You know, we've always enjoyed a semi decent relationship with Man City fans on the whole. You know, occasionally, Have we? Yeah. do you know? I want to ask your opinion about that, right? Because it's kind of widely known now that there is a bit of mutual respect between the two clubs. But the reason I'm throwing a bit of a spanner in the works, and I don't know if you remember this, but... No, we I agree with you. I know what you're going to say. That's why I said on the whole, because I know yeah, what well, you're going to say. This is it. See, I, I wanted to know from you if you think it's a bit of a myth, because when we went to Man City and we lost, I think it was 2-1, and it snowed as well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We were sat quite close to the away fans, and I've got to put that up there, in terms of away days, is probably one of the most hostile in terms of the verbal and the aggression yeah. between West Ham and Man City. So... Is it a myth or is there a genuine affection between I don't know, because I did see it when we saved the penalty. Our fans were goading their fans as well. I did see a large part of that corner bit goading their fans. So I think on the whole, outside of the 90 minutes, there's a respect. But during the 90 minutes, it's probably like, you know, that gets forgotten maybe. It's probably the best way to describe it. Um, I don't know. It's a difficult one because, like you say, I've experienced it. I was a... I was at the game when they won the league in 2014 or whatever it was, and their fans ran onto the pitch. And some of the most of them came and clapped us, but some of them were standing right in front of us, calling us wankers and stuff. And I remember thinking then, I thought we got on with your lot. So I think it's probably a younger generation thing again. The younger generation fans, probably not. The older generation fans, probably yes. I think it all stems back from a season at Upton Park when Man City got relegated or something, and West Ham fans clapped their fans and said you'll be back soon or whatever and then I think you know obviously we stopped Man United winning the league a couple of times and I think there's kind of a lot of transfers between the clubs Play, there's a lot of players that have played for both sides um, and been legends at both you know if you think like Ian Bishop, Trevor Morley, Mark Ward, um, Trevor Sinclair David James, Steve Tevez. Lo- Tevez, Steve Lomas you know there's, there's, there's a lot 
Marko Berkovic, Mark Vivian Foe. You know, there's a load over the years that have, that, that have done that. And uh, Zabaleta. You know, there's <laughs> I keep thinking of ones in my head. Um, Nazri, although he wasn't a legend at West Ham, obviously. But anyway. The point is, I think that's probably why, but yeah, it's a bit of a myth at the game. But afterwards, I think their fans during the half time and the and the bit before and when the academy walked around, they were they were really respectful and and it was great to see. You know, I think the only thing I thought was a little bit naff was the fireworks. I don't know if they came out on the TV, but I've had better fireworks displays in my garden than the fireworks <laughs> uh, that went off at the, uh, around the side of the pitch. But uh, other than that, I thought yeah, the club the club did well and it was it was brilliant. And you know, I have I was. I'm in the Billy Bond stand, so I was part of that M uh, N sixteen. Uh, you know, how, holding up the the pieces of paper to make that that collage on, on the pitch, and obviously I can't see it while I'm doing it. But when I've looked at that on on photos of it now, that looks brilliant as well. And you know, <clears throat> any West Ham fan that was there would have found it hard to not feel emotional. Oh, without a doubt, I'm putting you on the spot now. But if you were to summarise Mark Noble in three words, what would they be? Oh, jeez, mate. It's not three words. It means I can't even elaborate on it. Um, mm. I would say he is dedicated. I think, you know, you think them. Oh, I'm going to elaborate on it. Then can I elaborate on each word? If you want. Okay, so dedicated in the sense that he went to academy games and watched them. He met with, he meets with all people in the club. Um, he shows everyone respect, um, and and so I think dedicated to the club is that sums up everything. You know, loyalty that sums up his professionalism. So yeah, I'm going to go dedicated. I'm going to go with um, uh, so many you could use. Really, isn't there? Um, I'm going to go with charismatic or charming i don't know which one's better charismatic's probably a bit better because i think that i think he brings people with him people respect him instantly and they want to be on his side they want him on their side he instantly gets respect from people and i think you have to be charismatic to be able to do that so i mean that's probably one word um and it's not really not really a word, it's three words, but Mr. West Ham, I think he just sums up everything that that is what West Ham is about. Like and it was said well by Danny Dyer in the pre match video. I don't know if you saw that on TV, but he basically just said he's one of ours. He came from Canning Town from a working class family. He loved the club all of his life. He's dedicated his whole life to this point as being a pro at West Ham and then supporting this club. And you know he'll be doing that for however long he's got left after this, um, in the rest of his life. And I think that's just the best way to describe him. And I think it's a real sad end of an era. As I said many times on this podcast, I still think he's got another season in him. And I know the players believe that as well because he shows it on the training ground. But I respect what he's done. He wants to go out of the top where it's his decision rather than you know him leaving because a, player, a manager doesn't want him or the fans don't want him. So I respect what he's done. Um, and yeah, it's a sad, sad time, mate. I was, I was 22 when he made his debut. You know, I feel like an old man now. So the fact that I was a young lad when, uh, when he made his debut shows how long he's been here and all the players he's played with. Um, I think there's more to come from Mark Noble, though. I will almost be tempted to say to you now, um, he will be a manager of West Ham at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that happening. 100%. I mean, it won't be the same without him. I think West Ham um, lost a little bit of its soul yesterday when they said yes. goodbye to Mark Noble. Agree, um, 
but uh, three words for me. I think, I think I, I do know what you're saying about loyal coming under the umbrella of dedicated, but we've had a lot of dedicated players that have left. So yeah. for me, I think I would use, I'd use loyal on its own. I think okay. so that would be one of them. Uh, leader, yeah. you know, yeah, on and off the pitch, yeah, uh, and and humble because yes. regardless of what, and it's yeah. because of his roots, you know, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt, it's because uh, he's from Canning Town, from a well-grounded family, working-class background, and people like that, you never lose that humble side of you. You know, you never forget where you come from. So I, I, I put humble in there as well. I think um, you made a really good point there as well about his background because it's the same with Dakin Rice. I mean, Dakin Rice, parents and brothers, are, and we're lucky enough to have had the honour of meeting his brothers a number of times. And I actually, I've met his mum once before, but I met her in um, Frankfurt. Did you actually speak to her? Because we were kind of a bit separate from each other at that point. No, no. I mean, no. I was speaking to so many people in there. It was unbelievable, but she yeah. wasn't one of them. I didn't even see actually i said hello to um dex brothers but i didn't i didn't see them so i was speaking to brothers and then her mum came over and and i was introduced to her and she'd just gone to the game with with their auntie um and was uh watching the game in the stands with all the west ham fans and stuff even though she could be corporate even though she was a woman in i would guess her 50s I don't know, but I'll guess that age. Um, so, but she wants to go in with the West Ham fans and stuff, and they're such a lovely family. Like, you know, I've got to know um, Jordan, especially out of the brothers, particularly well recently. You know, I, got, I was stuck on a carriage with him going into Frankfurt um, away from our hotel at the end of the game. So we both weren't in the best of spirits, but we were right next to each other. We were chatting and stuff. They're a great family. And what's interesting is, as I was saying goodbye to you at the end of the event, Tony, and I was going to the game myself, Tony Carr and Anton Ferdinand were in the car park and they were sort of saying goodbye to each other and whatever. And I just wanted to make sure I said goodbye to both of them too, properly. And as the, as they were doing that, Anton was speaking to Tony Carr and he said to Tony Carr, um, is it all right if I get you to come into my football academy? Because I don't know if people know, but Anton sat at this football academy. He's actually the biggest in Essex now. He's done a really good job of it. Um, he, um, he said, because I want to get you in and I want you to come in and I want you specific to speak to the parents and I want you to talk to the parents about what an important role that they play in whether a footballer makes it or not because we need I want you to talk to them about keeping the kids feet on the ground making sure they're committed making sure they're dedicated to the training sessions making sure that they let the coaches do their job and it was just really fascinating to sort of hear that conversation obviously Anton um, puts down his success to his his mum and his his dad um, and a lot of players the success does depend depend on the grounding and the support network they have from their from their family and um and I think that's what um, came across about Mark Noble. It comes across about other players. And I think what you said there is spot on. The background he came from always kind of came through, that he always showed respect to everyone and was taught that from, from an early age. And how good is it for the generation of today to be around someone like that? Because, yes. you know, society is on its ass really, for different oh, reasons. Yeah, and that's a different yeah. conversation for a different show. Yeah. So you need people like Mark who... Mm behaves in the right way um, and lives their life by a certain set of rules and morals and discipline. You need someone like that to look up to. So I don't know in what capacity Mark's going to be involved with West Ham. Obviously, it's a no-brainer that he has to be in some way. But I think the academy players would benefit massively from Mark, massively. Um, yeah, I think so. Like if, if, he, if he doesn't get a decent role in the club next year... 
<clears throat> I've had a few rumours as to what it will be, and I think it, that is decent. But if he doesn't get that, it would be an absolute travesty. It really would. The club have fucked up, for want of a better word, many times on this before. Mm. You know, Bobby Moore being the prime example, but other examples along the way. If they don't take someone that everyone respects from your, your five-year-olds right up to your 80-year-olds, if they don't take someone like Mark Noble in to, to support with, um, you know, making people realise what how important West Ham is, making sure people realise their dedication, making sure they realise about respect. You know, the fact that there's a photo came out today on West Ham's Twitter of him sweeping the changing rooms again, and that's on yeah. his last ever day with the days all about him. It's that humbleness and that and I think there's probably many footballers down the line that have probably had much more potential and ability than Mark Noble, but when they look at their off the field behaviour and their dedication to to the cause probably doesn't even compare and the same with Declan and that's why Declan and Noble have had the careers that they've had um, and that's why these players fall away and I think mm. it's so important to tap into Mark Noble's knowledge on these things and his, mm. and his leadership by example so, yeah well said mate well said 100% um, talking about the club fucking up uh, I've got uh, an agreement well an agreement in principle for uh, someone from the ladies team to come on the podcast, and I don't so, want to say I don't want to I say did, who it I is. did as well. Right, so it, it's got to be the same person. I don't yes. don't want to say who it is for obvious reasons. Yeah. It will become apparent in a minute. But she said would love to come on, but the club have blocked it. Right, yeah. so That's what I got. I'm only saying this because um, the club listen to this podcast. We know that for a fact. Yeah, tell us off all the time. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for denying us the opportunity to promote the ladies team and women's football in general i hope you're fucking proud of yourselves so i just wanted to make that little point no i'm glad you did mate actually it probably is the same person because there's one prime candidate without giving away too much who would be the best to come on this show i I, say i did mine a couple of months ago so maybe yours is more recent but uh, it was all i was rejected as well they were really up for it buzzing for it just i just checked with the club which is fair dues you know they've got a professional responsibility and they did and they came back and said the club had blocked it as well and it is so frustrating i mean it's possibly down to me it's possibly down to me and what i do and the fact that you know i guess i share things we had fucking david gold on the podcast. i know i know this is what i was gonna say we had david gold on the show um and i regularly speak to people in the media about things that i won't put out things i will put out um and so they know that we always promote these people in the best light i don't understand it myself either It's, it's it's really disappointing and there's still things like we highlighted last week on last show and you got a lot of credit for doing that and i agree with it for highlighting the ticket problems there's been no statement or apology or anything from the club about any of that you know not that i'm saying we should have triggered that but in general there must have been people that have complained about it um and nothing's been said about that when it should have been it should have been addressed publicly that sort of thing is good for pr relations but it won't be done and um yeah in terms of the uh, media uh, in terms of that i don't understand it the new media fella 
I've actually forgotten his name now, but that's replaced Ben Campbell. When he before he started, obviously I broke the story, so I made contact with him and got to know him and stuff. I've not heard a word of him since since he's been in position. I mean, he's been in position two months now. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know because he's not stopped me saying anything. He's not told me off for anything, which I used to get all the time with the previous one. Um, he's not done that. But then on the flip side, I've not heard anything from him. So we're always told that us and other sites will get access to more players and things like that. And then we know nothing ever comes of it. And the fact I've not even spoke to the media guy, we run one of the most you know successful independent West Ham stuff. I don't know. It's disappointing. And like you say, it's disappointing that they wouldn't allow her on. Yeah. Well, what I, what I don't understand about it, right, is firstly, um, we've had David Gold on, we've had current players. I mean, we've had loads of it. We had, we had David Gold, Jack Sullivan, yeah. David Sullivan Jr., Declan Rice, Nathan Holland, Connor Coventry, Dan Kemp, Robert Snodgrass. You yeah. know, the, the list goes on. Mark Phillips, you know, coaches that have worked at Kenny Brown that work at the club. Yeah, yeah Dave Hunt. I yeah. mean, yeah, exactly. Um, and every single one of those interviews was professional. There wasn't one single question that could have thrown anyone under a bus. Um, so we're proven in that respect that it, it only positives can come from it. But we would also always put out the agreement that the club could listen to it before anyone else. And if there was anything that they wasn't happy with, we'll take it out. So I I, I don't know. I I just think it's a shame because, you know, in in an age where West Ham are trying desperately to to kind of solidify that unity with the fans, you just get something like this that that might go a long way to giving fans access to players. And they just put a blocker on it for, for, in my opinion, no apparent reason. It's just disappointing. I think it's a combination of two things or three things maybe it's a combination of arrogance that they think that they can do it better than anyone else and why would they source it out to anyone else Um, I think it's to do with a lack of trust there's always like this kind of see the only person that was different really from my living experience of the media guys I'll always see his praises because he's a top fella the only person that was different was Max Fitzgerald he reached out and tried to build good relationships with fan groups and stuff uh, and tried to err on the side of positivity that these could be a useful thing to the club rather than a hindrance Um, and sadly since he moved on to Wolves uh, he's doing a great job there Um, we've not had that with the other ones Um, uh, and from the bar the instructions from above and I think that's why Max probably had, ultimately had to leave because uh, he didn't agree with the way they did things I mean I don't know that I'm just speaking for him but it's it's um, <clears throat> it's sad that they don't see the benefits that reaching out to fans uh, channels could could do for them and um, and I think that the last thing is just that you know it's like quite dated like I think I think some people still think back to how the good old days of the 90s when and, and we get this all the time on Patreon on Twitter when people will say this why does he have to leak transfer news or why is he talking about transfer news people seem to think you're still in 1980 1990 where you'd read the newspaper and there'd be a transfer rumour in it and nothing um, else would happen you know <laughs> since the internet's been invented since mobile phones since social media since agents have came into the game since more, more money's came into the game since more people are involved in transfer like medicals and contracts and finances and sponsorship agreements etc etc it was bound to go this way so the comments of um oh, i miss the old days what why this isn't how it should be in the old days it was only in the paper yeah okay that was good for those reasons 
<clears throat> but life moves on. You know, think of all the developments in the last 40 years that if you still had that attitude, you wouldn't be using. You wouldn't be watching Sky. You wouldn't be using your mobile phone. You wouldn't be driving a fast car. You wouldn't be flying to um, different parts of the world as easily as you can do now. You know, life moves on. And unfortunately, some people are stuck in the past. I think that sadly is what might be the case here as well. Yeah. Yep. I agree. But how at yesterday, I mean, the stadium was full and we, we welcomed one of the best teams on the planet. We didn't lose. Mark Noble did play and he signed off on a day where we qualified for Europe. I mean, yeah. that's pretty decent, isn't it? Oh, it was pretty amazing. And in fairness, I've given the, the media team a bit of a stick there, um, as we both have. But actually, in fairness, other than a few NAF fireworks, I think they handled the occasion really, really well. I think the, the build-up in terms of the programmes, whoever's in charge, in charge of the content in terms of the videos at the moment, I think, I'm thinking it's probably changed. I don't know, but I'm thinking it has because I think the quality of output from the website and stuff has got a lot better. I think the fact that was Mark Noble pictures that had been put around the stadium was a really nice touch getting ex-players to speak about him was was a obvious but very good touch um, I think like I said the presentation everything I think they handled the day very very well and as you say often and this is why I predicted that we wouldn't lose this game um, often these sentimental occasions bring the best out of West Ham yeah yeah it's true well, we've already touched on it, but before the City game was the last pre-match event of the season at O'Neill's. What an atmosphere it was and what a Q&A it was from Tony yes. Carl and on Ferdinand, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. Oh, it was amazing, mate. I mean, it was what, for me, stood out more than anything, and I loved seeing it, was the respect that Anton had for Tony and the, and the credit he placed upon him for the, the success of his career and also helping him, you know, coming into the shadow of his obviously famous big brother, and I think it was really nice to see him. Both of them are very humble, very honest. They were able to speak about Mark Noble, both very articulately and, and openly, and I, I thought it was a great atmosphere a great pre-match event i do understand that people struggle to get there in terms of the kickoff time i totally get that and we have been screwed over by sky and the europa league fixtures and stuff repeatedly this season but those people that can make these events i don't understand why some don't come because it's just so nice to be able to learn that much of an insight into a club i think personally yeah i totally agree and, um, you know, whilst these have been a massive success, these events, it does sometimes feel that unless they're a legend or a recently retired player, it can be quite difficult to get the crowd. And I think if you've worn the shirt for a decent amount of time, then you've got a story in you. And, um, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, these events are, are fantastic. But I just want to say thank you to everyone that has attended the events this season. As always, it has created a lot of special memories for me and X and the rest of the team. And yeah. uh, we hope it has for you too. But X, there's one more event to look forward to. And it's yes. a special one before the Brighton game yeah. in Las Vegas on Sunday. How exciting yeah. is that? Oh, buzzing, mate. You know, we've got to pass our COVID test first, both oh, of us. Yeah, so no, got it's a bit of a drum roll moment. Like, I've been on my arse all week. Exactly. You've been really ill. And then I was stuck in a booth with you and I'm feeling a little bit croaky today. So we have yeah. really got to hope we're going to get past that first hurdle once we're past that. So I can't really look forward to it until that's done. Um, and I don't know, people know that to go to America now, you have to take your COVID test, but you have to do it on a Zoom call 
people so someone's watching you that you don't fake it and stuff and so that's going to be interesting to see if we can pass that hopefully we both will and if we do then yeah absolutely buzzing because we're going to be going to LA as well as Vegas so it's going to be a great experience it's always a pleasure to go out there and watch the game with the passionate American fans we have a few we have Chesley Hawks in the building and we have a few ex-players hopefully joining us on on Zoom calls as well so it'll be it'll be an amazing experience um, once more and um, it's a shame it clashed with a very expensive weekend out there it's a dance festival and I think that put a few Americans off coming to this one but we're hoping to also um, get a few more that come through the door of the day but also hoping to host one in possibly Chicago um, at the start of the new season as well which will put information out about but yeah absolutely buzzing for this one in, in Vegas definitely can't wait Mm, yeah likewise so to all of our American brothers and sisters and those that are travelling from the UK to be there as well we look forward to seeing you all Yeah, uh, X there are some fascinating questions about life some genuine mysteries is there life after death is the universe deterministic will brain science change criminal law but without a doubt the biggest question is how the fuck has David Moyes not been nominated for manager of the year? <laughs> I thought you were going to take the piss at me for the predictions league there. Oh, no, so, we'll come to that. <laughs> okay. And I thought that big build up has got to be a take the piss out of me for predictions <laughs> league. Uh, so I'm actually relieved it wasn't, but I actually completely agree with you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, the agenda ridiculous. against West Ham is alive and well, wasn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. When when you think that, I think what Patrick Vieira is one of the nominees, and he's done a good job, don't get me wrong. Eddie Howe, again, done a good job, don't get me wrong but they've not done what David Moyes has done no. taking the team to either sixth or seventh in the league a semi-final of the um, Europa League quarterfinals of the League Cup you know it's it's not comparable and it's ridiculous it really is a joke and uh, I can't believe he hasn't been it's it's a scandal mate it's an absolute yeah. scandal I mean mm. I ain't got to tell people to listen to this show on a paper thin squad this man has qualified for Europe got to Europa League semi-final, a League Cup quarter-final. I think his win percentage is something like 45%. And he's played a massive part in bringing unity back to this club, on and off the pitch. Yet, Thomas Frank, Patrick Vieira and Eddie fucking Howe are deemed as worthy of nominees. It's just, I just, I don't know. It's just one thing after another, isn't it? You know, it's like the... the the, the, the big corporate companies and Sky, they don't want to talk about West Ham when we're in the Champions League spot. They cut the graphic off so that it didn't show us as part of that. Jared Bowen not getting a call up when he should have done. And now, how can you not include David Moyes as a nominee? It's just fucking madness. Yeah, Out of exactly. order, really. I agree with you, mate. I 100% agree with you. It's a joke. And I bet the managers that have been nominated that have less of a claim to it than he does probably think, gosh, I don't know how I got above David Moyes there. No. They must, they must be in it. Like, when he's sitting above them in the league with a, with a comparable squad and stuff, you know, it's just it's just ridiculous, really. And, um, yeah, I don't know what the fuck went on there. And whoever made that decision again needs to question themselves. Mm. Well, now then, I sound like a Cockney Jimmy yeah. Savile there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Now then. I think I'd rather speak to him right now when I know, <laughs> when I know what you're probably going to talk about. <laughs> mate, Jim ain't going to fix this for you, mate. <laughs> um, There's still two games left. Anything's possible? Well, I, I've got to say, two right, weeks I, left, I mean, I've, I've got to say, I am going to go a little bit easy on you because I don't want to be too overconfident here because mm. 
there's not a massive gulf between us and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. So I'm going to be a little bit careful here. Um, but the end of the West Ham Way Premier League predictions competition is in sight. And I currently sit 14th. X is currently 29th. There are 144 points between us as it stands. Sunday will crown the winner. X, is that going to be me, the bookies' favourite, or is that going to be you, the underdog? I think it's going to be you. And, and I think the, bo- the bottom line here is, that like, if we, we take all jokes aside and we look at it like uh, from a, an outsider's point of view and a diplomatic point of view, the real winners here are the West Ham way. You know, you feel you're 14th. I'm, what did you say, 29th? Yeah. You know, <laughs> out, of a, out of a game full of people, you know, and when you listen to a football podcast, you want the people on the podcast to, to, to know what they're talking about, to be able to <laughs> talk comprehensively about your football club. Club. The fact that both you and I are sitting in very respectable positions, very, you know, even if I'd finished 29, if I'd finished 29 for the two previous years, I would have beaten you. You know, yeah. it's a very, very respectable position, yeah, which is obviously even more respectable, granted, for you finishing 14th at the whole game. So well done, the West Ham way. Well done. Okay. That's an interesting way of looking at it. That is an interesting way to look at it. Um, like I say, I'm going to go a bit easy on you. Um, but absolutely fucking batter you next week if I do win. So we'll we'll leave that there for now. Um, let's <laughs> the funny annoying thing is we're going to be in Las Vegas together, <laughs> and it's going to be the day of the event. So what you're going to you're going to bloody turn into Floyd Mayweather again, aren't you? Out there? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, no, that gets you into trouble. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. But no, on a serious note, it's a difficult one for you, right? Because I'm not trying to tell you how to play the game, but if he's, if I was in your position. I would almost try and call some obscure results and maybe go against what I actually think will happen in the hope that you'll get some shocks and you pack the shocks because you'll get bigger points. It's a bit of a, a bit of an all or nothing that you're faced with. Do you know I do I mean? agree with you. I do agree with you. I've got to pull something out of the bag. I mean, the problem is, mate, I'm always counting, working against the last minute goals for you, aren't I? Uh, another, yeah, hang on a minute. Another one at the hang weekend. On another minute. one at the weekend. Result would have been. No, I will, because the Brighton game, I would have got like the points, but no. Leeds score in the last minute. Shockingtons. Yeah, another goal. And what about the 97th? Yeah, I admitted that one, but that was a one-off. It didn't happen this week. Well, yeah, but then you could argue, and listen, I, I didn't predict this on Patreon because I didn't want to burst anyone's bubble. I did actually predict that Man City would win yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I, I called a 2-0. If if Mahrez scores the penalty, fucking hell, I don't know how many points I'd have got for that, but you'd have been banging trouble. So it is swings yeah. and roundabouts. Yeah, true, true. I didn't think of that. But yeah, it was 2-0 West Ham at one point. You know, if we just held on, I would have got millions of points. Mm. But yeah, anyway, at the end of the day, I can't, I can't, I obviously can't beat you at this game, which is why the game's still going on. All the other ones I could do, like football, <laughs> uh, you know, fancy football and squash and squash. Well, like, suddenly, suddenly been stopped. But the one I can't beat. Yeah, you, no, 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 on. hang on a minute. Something you stopped was squash by faking a fucking injury. And After I... Yeah, okay, maybe the squash club, but certainly fancy football. I might just decide next year I don't like this game. It's, it's for mugs. I, mate, I, I, do you know what, mate? I, I would fully support that because it's it would it would then be virgin embarrassing, really. Because if I win, as you know, and as I keep reminding you, it's going to take you four years to beat me. And if it can happen in four years, mate, 
Yeah, I know. I could be dead in four years. <laughs> well, At least I'll beat you then. <laughs> I'm not so sure, to be honest. <laughs> oh, but, but let's have a look at the top five going into the final week, right? Because in fifth, we have an interesting name, Bleeding Benders, with 4,127 <laughs> points. In fourth is Nigel DeZuman. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I thought we meant, didn't we have something that stops like strange names? We had ones that wouldn't allow, obviously, really offensive terms and racism and stuff. Maybe that one obviously slipped through the net a little bit. But, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, got something against homosexual people. I mean, that's evident. But um, in fourth place is Nigel DeZuman. For the record, I'm sure you haven't, mate. I probably should have said that. <laughs> yeah. uh, in fourth place is Nigel DeZuman with 4,134 points. So that's like uh, a Dutch international. Like it that? does, doesn't it? Yeah. And then next, we've got a beautiful British name. Uh, third place is Chris Stone. Chris Stone. Oh, solid, solid. With, uh, with 4,239. In second, and he's a constant in this competition, was last season as well, is Jay Saywood Jones. Yeah. In first place, with a whopping. 4,734 points is Tom Ed. Yeah. And and let's be honest, I mean, his name's already on the trophy. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, he's, a, he's a good 400 points clear of second it's place. A, I don't know how he does it. I, I just hope the fella's been betting. I honestly, yeah. I, he's been putting his predictions on a Ladbrokes or whatever, and he's um, no advertising uh, intended. There's the first I can think of. Um, <laughs> they, uh, he, um, he'd be making an absolute fortune right now. Yeah, Carl, wouldn't he just? Mm-hmm. Um, incredible, absolutely incredible. So well done to everyone and good luck for the final week. I also want to give a shout out to one of our patrons, Martin Huxley, who turned 52 last week. Many happy returns, mate. We hope you had a good one. And I want to give a personal shout out to my brother, Danny, who celebrates his 50th tomorrow. So lots of love to you, mate. Have a good one, bruv. I'll give my dad a shout out while we're there. Oh, God, yeah, of course. <laughs> it was his as well, his, wasn't it? His, his oh, how did I forget? Saturday. So, yeah, I'll give, him, I'll give him a shout out too. Uh, he was at the game yesterday. Um, he's been a well West Ham season ticket holder beyond when I have, and I've been one 30 years, so I guess he's probably yeah. been one 40, 45 years, so if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be a West Ham fan, and uh, yeah, I think he's uh, he comes to all of our events, uh, yeah, so uh, shout out to, yeah. to my dad too. I can know, I feel guilty that I left him out now, to be honest, after all that. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but no, big shout to you, mate, there's a lot of celebrations going on this time of year. Um yeah. Brilliant. Good stuff. Right, okay, let's hear what X has to say this week. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalised attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I-, I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, abs. keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.